Welcome to the preaching podcast of Life Point Church. We're so glad you've joined us here. If you're ever in the Baton Rouge area, please stop by. We'd love to meet you. For more information on our church or Pastor Donovan, please visit our website at golifepoint.com. Great to see our guests in the house. Verse 1. Then, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany. Now, I did a Google search in studying this, and I I wanted to know how far it was from Nazareth, Jesus' hometown, to Bethany. So I said, how far, Google, how far is it from Nazareth to Bethany? And Google immediately shot back and said 6,389 miles. Because Google assumed I meant Bethany in Baton Rouge. And I'm like, what is Larry, Jonathan Stock still done over there to get Google to, like, I'm looking for Holy Land search, and they send me to Bethany and Baton Rouge, right? <laughs> so Jesus came to Bethany, not in Baton Rouge, right outside of Jerusalem, where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil, spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. This was such a picture of worship, adoration. It's incredible. Today I'd like to preach a message entitled, Three People You Meet at Church. Three people you meet at church. Let's say a prayer. Father, thank you so much for your faithfulness and your goodness, for your grace. I pray, God, that you would speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. The book of John covers a period of three years, but chapters 12 to 21 cover only one week. So this story in our reading took place at a pivotal critical time in the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ. Calvary was only six days away. It's not like everything before didn't matter. It most certainly did. It's just that from chapter 12 on, everything was amplified, intensified. Everything counted like never before. Every second, every minute, every action, every reaction, every word, Every miracle, every story, every character in every story carried extreme significance in these last six days of Jesus' earthly ministry. And here in John 12, during these last six days, Jesus showed up at the house of his friends. The seed thought of this message grew out of a conversation I had with Harold last week. Didn't we have a great time with Harold Hoffman last week? He's awesome. He's my new BFF, right? Here are a few observations about Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. They were young. Some speculate they were orphans because there's no mention of their parents anywhere and they lived in the same house. They were single. There's no mention of them having spouses. And scholars say that most first century Jews would marry by age 20. So, They were most likely single, young adults, hyphen, adults. The evidence indicates that they were also well-to-do. 
they had a big house, big enough to accommodate Jesus and his entourage, which he traveled with 12, 24, 50, 70. There were ladies that traveled with them, so up to 100 people, which means this house was big enough to accommodate them, and they were well off enough to give time and money to put them all up. That means that they were a generous group of folks. These were generous people. They chose to do this. They believed in Jesus, Martha and Lazarus and Mary. They loved Jesus. The text says he loved them. They reciprocated that love. They leaned on Jesus. When they had trouble, they sent for him. And they were honest with Jesus. They had this organic relationship. They were free to speak their minds. They even scolded him at times. When he was late coming to Lazarus' sickness, who was now dead, they said, if you would have just come here when we asked, he wouldn't have died. I would propose that the three members of this family in John 12 represent three types of people that you will find at LifePoint Church in this family. There are Martha's, Lazarus's, and Mary's. Look at somebody next to you and say, are you a Martha?" Are you a Lazarus or are you a Mary? Come on, say it to them. Let's dive into this. First of all, the Marthas. The Marthas, like their namesake, are the workers. Everybody say workers. We see from John 11 that Martha was a worker. She volunteered for everything. She was a workaholic. If you want to get something done, ask a busy person to do it. That's the one you would go to, Martha. She was a workaholic, a super server. In Luke chapter 10, listen to this story. It happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha, listen, was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Some of you would like to tell the Lord the same thing about some of your family members, right? And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. The the Greek is like, Martha, 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 girl. Not really. But Martha, Martha, girl. You were worried and troubled about many things. Worried and troubled and distracted about many things. But one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. Think about this. Jesus Messiah. We just sang the song. Jesus Messiah. The, the, the Jehovah, the Yahweh of the Old Testament the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Messiah. He is robed in flesh, and he is sitting in Martha's living room. He's sitting in the room. God is in the room, and Martha is in the kitchen, or she's passing by. She's banging pots and pans, man. She's she's cooking and stirring and cleaning, and there's pots and pans banging. She's got the blender going. She's cooking up. The superfood, as we all know, is guacamole, right? And so she's good. She's got can openers going. She's got the microwave going. Ding. 
She, she's got the, the pressure cooker going. That she, She's got all, all kinds of, she's got the vacuum cleaner going. She's just, God is in her house, and yet she is so busy doing stuff. And in John 12, it's the same situation. She's running around, as my grandmother used to say, like a chicken with its head cut off. Just working, doing, busy, chores, errand. She was in the the proximity of his presence, but she refused to settle into his presence. She had proximity, but not intimacy. She could not see his face. She saw pots and pans and deeds that needed to be done. She could not hear his words. She heard the vacuum cleaner. She could not feel his touch. She was stirring a roux. And Jesus said to her, Martha, you are distracted and worried and troubled about many things, but you need something. You need one thing that you're not getting from this other stuff. One thing is needed. You are so concerned about getting things just right, the aesthetics, the meal, all the window dressings, but you are missing me. I am what you need. I am what you crave. You need my presence. I am why you were made. You need my presence. She was so busy doing all this stuff to get the room ready. When if she would just have rested into his presence, he would have done all the stuff she was trying to do to her house to her on the inside. Amen. 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 Let me tell you something. We're all about Jesus, people, and mission here at LifePoint. Jesus is first. People matter. We're on a mission to get Jesus to people. We want to get everybody in this room into Discover Life. If you've not gone through Discover Life, that's your next step. And we want you to get on to a team because I believe everybody needs an experience with God. Everybody needs a friend. They need to connect with somebody else in church. And everybody needs a job, a mission. They need to connect to the mission of LifePoint. I believe that with all my heart. That's why we do what we do. But here's the deal. We need to keep this straight. First things first. Being in his presence is the most important thing. In his presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. God forbid that we teach our kids to work in and around church, but we don't teach them how to take time to rest into his presence, to pray, to listen to his word, to worship him. God forbid that we teach our kids how to be around his presence, but to never disconnect from stuff and duty and seek his face. Oh, my goodness. On your phone, you have something called a video call. It's like the stuff of Dick Tracy back in the day, and now it's just common. It's everywhere. Everybody has it. On your phone, it may be called FaceTime. We love FaceTime. We got a grandson down in Florida. His name is Ezra. Boy, he's a bundle of joy. He is just awesome. And, and sometimes uh, when, when, when the, the kids will FaceTime, they'll call us. We may be walking through Rouse's or Walmart or something like that, and they call, and we're like, where, where, where's the boy? Where's the boy? Like, hey, Caleb. Hey, Ro. Love y'all. Where's Ezra? And they'll put Ezra on, and he's cooing or laughing or cutting up, and we're walking through Walmart or Rouse's ch- <laughs> chance, and we're just like, we're, we may be in the bread aisle, and we're like, ah, hey, buddy. Ooh, boo, 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 boo. Hey, he, he. You know, we don't care who's around. We don't care who sees it. 
Because we got some FaceTime with Ezra. We're loving on him. We love being around him. Every morning, Lyra FaceTimes us. Every morning. And that's Lizzie, but Lyra grabs the phone as soon as we come on. And, and she's, she's like, uh, ah. And we're like, ah, ah, ah. You know, like, good to see you, Lizzie. Go away. We're just us. You know, we're talking to Lyra, Jane, and soon Silas. And, like, we just love to FaceTime. But I'll take literal face-to-face any day over FaceTime. We live in the same town with Lizzie and Brendan and Lyra, Jane, and Silas. And it's like, hey, what y'all doing? Why don't y'all come over? I just want to be in the same room with you. I want some real FaceTime. I want to be able to hug you and feel you and touch you and smell you, be around you. I just want to be around you. If it's that way with our family, why not with our Heavenly Father? I just want some FaceTime. I want to be around you. I'm going to shut down all this stuff and be around you. That's what we need to teach our children. People say, well, here's the deal. I, I'm so busy doing stuff for church. I mean, this is one of the dangers of even ministry. We get so busy doing stuff for church that we don't take time to be with the one who church is all about. People say this. I've had people say this. Pastor, I, I can't make it to church. I can't make it to the gathering of the saints of the living God. You know, I can't, I can't get together on a Sunday or a Wednesday. I worship on my own and whatever, but I, I'm busy and I give and, and so I'm doing things for the Lord. And, and, and besides that, nobody will miss me. You know, they won't miss me. I'm doing stuff behind the scenes. Nobody will miss me if I'm not there worshiping the Lord. Well, it's not about being missed because I got news for you, Flash. When you get to heaven and somebody is missing that's a friend of yours. You're not going to miss them. If you don't go to heaven, people around in heaven are not going to say, wow, Don, Donovan's missing. Where did Donovan? Oh, it's so sad. He pastored the church, but he didn't make it to heaven. And they're going to cry. No, there are no tears. There's no sorrow in heaven. It's not about who's there, who's not there, who's, who, who, who's at the moment, who's, who's missing. It's about the lamb that's in the middle of everything and all of us are privileged and honored to be there and it's glory to the lamb of God. And that's the same way it is here on the earth. It's about worshiping Jesus. Listen to Revelation 7, verse number 9, I believe it is. After these things I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could number of all nations, ethnos, tribes, peoples, and tongues. Notice that all nations, not just North Americans, not just white people, black people, Hispanic people. All nations, tribes, peoples, tongues. Standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Clothed with white robes. Listen to this. Talk about Palm Sunday. With palm branches in their hands. And crying out with a loud voice. All, all tribes, nations, peoples, tongues. Crying out with a loud voice. And saying, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And then you read on and you see where the the angels and the elders say, amen. Blessing and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. On, On palms, that's in heaven. But on Palm Sunday 2,000 years ago, they, they were preparing for the entrance of the king. And again, 
They weren't concerned with who or who wasn't there. It was the fact that Jesus was there. And they're waving those palms and they were worshiping Jesus. In Revelation, they were raising, uh, waving palms and worshiping Jesus. This is not in the original language, but it's an interesting way to look at it in the English. The, the palms they were using to praise and worship him, they were adoring the one who had palms that would be pierced. Palms on his hands that would be pierced. Palms that touch the sick and raise the dead and touch the untouchable. Here's the point. Don't knock yourself out working so hard for Jesus and giving so much to Jesus if you don't worship Jesus. Take time to love on him and bask in the presence of Jesus Christ. And do it with others, with others. I waited patiently on the Lord. He inclined and heard my cry and there's so many verses about individual praise and worship, but then the psalmist said, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. There's something about gathering together with the people of God, putting the lamb in the middle that is so powerful. Thank God for Martha's. But there comes a time when you've got to put the work down and you've got to lift up your worship. Next up, Lazarus. The Lazaruses are like their namesake. They are watchers. John 12, 2 says, But Lazarus was one of those that sat at the table with him. Whereas Martha was a worker, Lazarus was a watcher. He just sat there. Martha was working. Mary is worshiping. We'll look at her in a minute. Lazarus is doing neither. He is an observer. He's not a participator. And, and that's just fascinating to me. Can, can, I, my, I know Elizabeth likes this. I'm sure she looked at her brothers and she's like, what are y'all doing? I'm working. Here's what's fascinating to me about this. Jesus had done more for Lazarus than really he had done for Mary or Martha. In the previous chapter, Lazarus had been dead for four days. Everybody say four days. The King James, I love it. It says, by now he stinketh. We would say in North Louisiana, he stank, right? He had the funk. He had been dead for four days. He was in the tomb. Jesus shows up. This is all for the glory of God, he says. And Jesus said, uh, move the stone. You know, Martha's crying out. They're, they're, they're like, why didn't you get here earlier? Move the stone. Jesus wept. He was moved by all their emotions. Move the stone. They moved the stone. And it says he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. One writer said that had he not specifically said Lazarus, everybody around would have come forth that had been dead. He said, Lazarus, come forth. And the old boy's all wrapped up, mummified. He starts hopping out. He said, loose him and let him go. So he has raised him from the dead. And here he is with his sister working like crazy, trying to get things ready for Jesus. His other sister on her face worshiping Jesus, and Lazarus is just sitting there observing. I got one thing to say about Lazarus. He is, after all, a man. He's a male. Perhaps he thinks he's the supervisor. That's why I said that about Lizzie. You know, Lizzie, we need you to do this. What? You're my brother. Get over here. Like, here he is observing. He's watching. He is, 
He's been raised from the dead, y'all. He was dead in the grave for four days. By now he stinketh. And yet here he is at the table just watching. Blessed and favored, but for some reason watching. There are people in this room today who have been blessed and highly favored, and yet you watch and you observe as others do and others worship. Let me say this about being a man. There are men who trap their emotions on the inside when, as Jesus said, there's one thing that's needed. There's one right thing to do. Mary has chosen that good thing. There is one right thing to do, and that is to let it all out and give Jesus your praise and your worship. Listen to this verse in 1 Timothy 2, 8 and 9. I desire, therefore, that the men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting, in like manner also that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel. And it goes on. I want to challenge uh, the men in this room today. Here's what blows my mind about this. There's a lot said in church circles about modesty of dress on women. Now listen, I will say this. I've been blown away at the lack of modesty on some church people, some church women and men, but some church women. And I've also been blown away by fathers who let their daughters walk out the house looking the way they look. So I'm going to have to obviously plow through this for a moment, but I'll, I'll plow through it for a moment. But I remember uh, my daughter, you know, there were times I looked at her and I said, you ain't walking out, the, you ain't going out the house looking like that. Like sweet, beautiful Elizabeth over here. You ain't walking out the door with that on. Now get, get in there, get some else on before you leave this house. I'm blown away. People say, I don't want to be a legalist. I don't want to be an idiot. You call it what you will. She ain't walking out the door looking like that. I'm blown away by church people. They're like, yeah, that's fine. Who cares? I don't want to be a legalist. Well, you're an idiot, right? You're an idiot. Get some clothes on, girl. And there's a lot of passion that can, that can get involved in that. You better get those clothes on. I mean, the church is, is, is very, for the most part, pushes modesty, especially on women. Modest, you better dress modest. We better. But listen, it says, if you'll notice, it says, this, and this is Bible. Let me just say that. This is Bible. This is not tradition and denominationalism. This is Bible. But notice what it says. In like manner also. In other words, as passionate as you are about your daughter or girls uh, covering up, right, covering up, you better be as passionate about lifting up your hands without wrath and doubting or any such thing. Come on, men. What would happen if we had men who were passionate about their praise and worship and just didn't hold it all in but bowed the knee and went for it? I'll tell you what would happen. It would change the atmosphere of this room. I don't want to chastise. I don't want to, you know, come across negative. But I'm telling you, it, it just, it, it, it makes me sad when there's so much potential locked up in men of God, but they refuse to open up and crack it open and worship God in spirit and in truth. And they leave it up to the girls and watch them. 
Just let the women worship. Wow, she's a good worshiper. I think of Penny. Penny, we love Penny, man. Penny, with her last breath, was praising God. She was worshiping. But I did not want to be an observer. I wanted to join in with her and praise and worship God. I did this on purpose today. I like to wear rubber sole shoes. These are my new balance. The good feet store, right? And I, I like to wear rubber, rubber sole shoes all the time, but I really like to wear them to church. And it's not just because we have a hardwood floor up here. And, you know you know how it gets sometimes. We've got a guy with some, some hard shoes on. It's like clickety-click, click, clickety-click. You know, sounds like Fred Astaire up here. Clickety-click, click. <laughs> I like to wear... Rubber sole shoes because, honest to God, I like to get down in church. I like to dance. I like to jump. I, I, and I, I like to be able to do it. I'm an athletic worshiper. We played, we, we played cornhole at group last night, and it was fun. It was a lot of fun. And I kept saying, because I was doing so good, I said, you know, I just can't help it. I'm very athletic. You can see this even in cornhole. I'm an athletic worshiper. I love to worship. I don't want to sit there like a bump on a log. I got some passion for Jesus. Come on, Lazarus. Don't you have some passion for Jesus? Didn't he raise you from the dead? Don't you have a past that he brought you out of? Didn't he forgive you of junk that should have sent you to hell? We need some men who are willing to lose that macho crap and give themselves in worship and praise to the living God. Come on, give him some praise right now, men. We're going to man camp. If you've never been to man camp, you need to go. Because you will see 2,000 men going crazy athletic worship. And then when you go and you get infected with it, bring it home. Bring it home. Because I'm telling you, there's something powerful about when Lazarus begins to worship. The Marys. The Marys are like their namesake. They are the worshipers. Mary seized the moment. He was in the house. She would not let this moment pass her by. She busted open a very expensive bottle of nard or spikenard, like Chanel number no. five, very expensive, perhaps worth a year's worth of wages. She went above and beyond in her worship. It was extravagant. I mean, if he is able and willing to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think, shouldn't we be willing to worship? exceeding abundantly above all that he could ask or think. God, I just want to give you my best. I mean, I know you say, just, you know, just, just come before me with, with, with singing, but I'm going to come before you with loud singing and exuberance. I'm going to come exceeding abundantly in my praise and worship. What would have happened had Martha put the vacuum cleaner down and turned the fires off and come in the room and joined with her sister what would have happened had Lazarus quit watching and started participating in the worship that was going on in that room at the time? i tell you what would have happened. It would have enhanced everything that was going on because there's some kind of synergy that takes place when we join together in worship and praise of the living God. Can I just tell you 
that as long as I have anything to do with Life Point Church, and I hope that's a long time, this will be a worshiping church. I will be pushing. I will be ex- exhorting. I, I will be leading the way. This will be a hoop and holler church. Do you hear what I'm saying? And, and hallelujahs and amens will ring out. There will be shouts of praise and there will be tongue talking and gifts of the spirit. This will be a celebration of the presence of God because I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to do everything within my power to make sure that my children and my grandchildren are raised in a church that is not a dead, dry, traditional, I mean just plucked up by the roots kind of church. I want this to be a sanctuary of worship and praise where the presence of God flows and there is an anointing of God. Come on, give him praise right now. I want a church that's characterized by its passion and pursuit of the presence of God. Not a working church only, not just an observing church only. Not with men that just watch, but a church where people worship and they're passionate because, folks, that's where the stuff happens. That's where the miracles take place. The devil trembles at a church that knows how to worship in the good times, in the bad times, through the storm, through the circumstances, when we don't back off and we don't just go by our feelings. Our feelings should never be the engine. Our feelings should always be the caboose. Feelings, if they're the engine, they'll tell us what we're going to do and where we're going to go. But if they're the caboose, our choice and our will, I will magnify the Lord at all times. My feelings are secondary. I'm giving Jesus the praise that he deserves. If we'll do that, it unlocks powerful things. We position ourselves for incredible things. Why don't you stand with me right now? Martha, Lazarus, and Mary were three friends that he loved. John 12, 5 does not say that he loved the family. It says he loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. He loved each of them as individuals. He did not want them to cease being individuals. He celebrated their individuality. But what the Lord is always after is people who lay aside the business that our schedules demand, who lay aside the inhibition and who come to him in humility and break open their hearts and say, here I am to worship you. I've had a revelation, your God, I'm not. You are worthy, I'm not. Thank you for what you've done. On this Palm Sunday, it's all about Jesus. It's not situational worship. It's all about Jesus. It's eternal. It's it's about you. Well, I'm going through some junk. I got some circumstances. My storm is closing in on me. Who cares about your storm? One day that storm will be ended and you'll forever be in his presence. Go ahead and worship him now, even in the storm, in spite of the storm, in spite of the circumstances, in spite of how you feel. Worship him anyway. There was one other guy in the room, by the way, And I I trust we don't have any of these kind of guys. But there was one other guy in the room. His name was Judas. And Judas just didn't like what was going on. He looked at Mary. It's a total waste. I mean, even Martha, he's like, 
he wanted to eat, but like I certainly wouldn't lift a finger to help you. Lazarus just seems to be just kind of in a stupor. Hello, guys, you know, just kind of what? You know, that kind of thing. That's what you kind of like you chastise. What are you doing, Lazarus? What? What? Judas, on the other hand, is critical of the whole scenario. What a waste. We could have sold that Spikener and done some stuff. He was a thief. But you know what? Jesus loved him too. Called him friend. Jesus loves us. It's not about does he love me. It's about he's worthy. He loves me in spite of myself. He is worthy. It's just a prioritization. I'm putting my priorities on worshiping him. Amen. Bow your heads with me. Father, thank you so much for your faithfulness and for your word. I thank you, God, that there are three people we meet at church. And Father, we can choose what we do with our time, our talent, our treasure, our heart, our worship, our praise. I pray, God, that you would challenge us today to let it out, man, to let the praise and the worship fill this room as we close because you inhabit the praises of your people, your covenanted people. We are the people called by your name. We've been called by your name, washed in your blood, cleansed. Father, we were buried in your name in a water grave. We rose to walk in newness of life. We've been filled with your Holy Spirit. What else could you do for us, God, to provoke us as your people and your family to praise and to worship you? Nothing. It is finished. It is done. You are seated, waiting, expecting for your enemies to become your footstool. And God, as the church rises in praise and worship, the enemy, we realize, is under our feet. We are victorious. We cannot be defeated because we stand in you, Lord Jesus Christ. And we want to praise you for it. We want to praise you from that understanding. You are worthy. I feel a challenge, and here's the challenge, man. Some of you, you've just been squished by the battle of the day, squished by the circumstances, squished by the storm that's raging in your life and raging in your mind, preoccupied. You're like Martha putting out fires, man, running around trying to get stuff just right so you can enter into the presence of God. And Jesus is saying, forget about all that stuff. Come as you are. Bring your burdens to me. Just come, Don't try to put it out and then come in. Come in just like you are. Bring all the baggage. Just come in and begin to worship me. All you that are weary and heavy laden carrying baggage, Come before me and worship me. I'll give you rest. You can't. One thing is needful. You need this one thing. You need my presence. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you were blessed. For more information on our church, Pastor Donovan, or service times, please visit our website at golifepoint.com.